Hey everyone, welcome to the first bonus episode. This year I'm dedicated to trying to bring not just more content, but more targeted content at specific topics that I see a lot of players struggling with, or topics that people continue to reach out to me with questions about. So I'm going to be offering bonus episodes all year long that either have extra content from a guest, in this case Jess Pagula and I talking about how to close out second sets and get off to faster starts, some episodes might just be listener Q&A, and I'll have a few bonus interviews as well, with the plan being to have an additional 30 bonus episodes in 2024. Today's episode is a free listen, as I want you all to get a feel for what the bonus episodes are all about, and see if it's something you'll want to subscribe to. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'll be releasing another bonus episode in two weeks, which you'll be able to subscribe to on Apple Podcasts with a seven-day free trial. If you use Spotify or another app to listen, there will be a link in the show notes where you can gain access to the bonus episodes through Captivate, which is the platform I use to produce the podcast. I'm keeping the monthly subscription fee to under $3 for the month, as I want everyone who wants access to the bonus content the ability to enjoy it. So let's get started with the first bonus episode of 2024. Today's topic is closing out matches when you've won the first set and getting off to quick starts in the second set in general. A lot of players I've coached have struggled with this issue at first, and it's a very common issue. So before we begin, let's first define what a second set letdown is. Just because you get down early in the second set does not mean you've let down or done something wrong. I never promised you there wouldn't be math on this show, but here's some quick math for you. If you and your opponent both hold serve 60% of the time on average, that means there's a 25% chance you will get off to a 2-0 lead, there's a 25% chance they will get off to a 2-0 lead, and there's about a 50% chance you guys will start the set at 1-1. So just because you get down early doesn't necessarily mean you're suffering from a second set letdown. To me, the telltale signs of a second set letdown is when you lose physical energy, you start to lack focus, and you play undisciplined tactics. Maybe you get a little lazy with your feet to start the second set. Maybe you try a few shots that are fun or risky to start because you're too relaxed. But if your energy and your focus drop, whether you win or lose the first game or two, you're experiencing a second set letdown. But why is this such a common problem? Well, playing with a lead can be difficult in any sport, but the scoring system in tennis is so unique that it lends itself to quick momentum shifts. I'm going to play a short clip from Alistair Hyam's episode back from the summer of 2022, where he speaks about the unique aspects of our scoring system and how the end of the first set lends itself to momentum shifts and tactical changes. Well, this is where we come to the scoring system because we have a fantastic scoring system in this situation. Uh, it's a three-tiered scoring system. Points make games, games make sets, sets make matches. So you have a great chance to turn the match around because you are gifted a 0-0 love all at the start of the second set. So the, the, the key to that is to be really fast out of the blocks at the start of the second set. Decide on your tactics, refresh quickly. And, you know, it's, it's all about squashing time. If you sometimes you've lost 7-6 and there's a rain break and you go back to the hotel and you think about it and you come out at a fresh start and you've got new tactics, perhaps or a slight adaptation to your tactics and a fresh approach and off you go. Well, you haven't got time to go back to your hotel. You've got 90 seconds. But if you can squash all that down into that 90 seconds and come with a fresh approach, fresh tactics, learn what you've learned from the first set, you're given love all, which is a fantastic opportunity for you to start again and go again. So I think knowing the scoring system, knowing the t- potential turning points, love all is one. And, and you particularly see it 
if you are six love down, love all. Because if it was six love and you go two love up, we all know that feeling of winning six love and then being two love down. It's a terrible feeling. You feel like you're on, you're almost on your way to you know one set all. If it was two tiered, the score would still be six two, because it would just be if it just carried on first to twenty one, as in table tennis. You know, you, it doesn't change. And the same with say six one three love. That's nine one in a two tiered scoring system. So if you win the next three games, you're still nine four down. But if you six one three love and you win the next three or four games, you're four three up or three all. It's a big change. So our scoring system creates these opportunities for turning points. So you've got to see the you've got to see the positive. Alistair speaks about the scoring system as an advantage for the player who lost the first set, and he's right. The losing player is gifted the start of zero zero. So even if I won the first set against you six zero, we start the second set completely even. It's important to remember that in both cases, whether you won the first or lost the first, we are even to start the second set. One of the biggest reasons players get off to a slow start and let down is they're throwing themselves a party for winning the first set. You're in a race to two. Having a 1-0 lead matters, but on the same hand, it's really not that large of a lead. And a slow start to a second set can be all it takes to be level at one all in about 30 minutes. So the first way to get better at closing out second sets and getting off to quick starts is to remember you are starting level at 0-0. Although you have a slight lead, you don't have a lead in the set you are playing. And you need, all capitals, to win another set to win the match. So there should never be a situation where the other player wants the second set more than you do. They need the second set to stay alive. You need the second set to win. Either way, you both need it badly. So acting as if winning the second set is a luxury is a massive mistake. The second thing we can do to avoid a letdown is to manufacture physical energy at the start of the second set. If we know a lack of physical energy can lead to a letdown, then let's proactively combat that tendency. Bounce around in between points. Jog out of the first changeover. Give yourself these opportunities as a reminder that you need to invest 100% of your physical energy into the first few points and games of the second set. And the third thing we can proactively do is play to our primary patterns and strengths early in the second set. Shouldn't you always play to your strengths? Yes, that's common sense, but I've also found that common sense isn't so common. You do also need to mix things up sometimes, so when the score is lopsided, you may end up playing secondary tactics to keep your opponent honest. For example, my favorite serve was a wide slice serve in the deuce court. But if I had a big lead like 5-2 in the first set, I might mix in some more T-serves to keep my opponent honest at the end of the set when I feel like the points weren't as valuable and I wasn't in danger of losing. It would be important for me, though, to remember that when we start the second set, I should probably go back to my best stuff early instead of going with my secondary patterns. Jessica Pagula was 51-0 last year after winning the first set, which is an absolutely absurd statistic. Listen to what she had to say about her incredible 2023 closing out matches when she won the first set and see if she touches on a couple of these concepts we just spoke about in her answer. At the tour finals, I believe, I hopefully it didn't change, but someone said you were like 48 and 0 when you won a first set. Yes. Is that still, did you lose, you didn't lose a match, right? Winning the first set? No, 51 and 0. Exactly, I think so, I you, so you kept that. So you, you did not, when you won the first set, you won every match. So 
Is there anything that you and David work on or that you feel like you have some mental skill where you're like, there's a reason why this happened? Or is that just like pure? I have no idea. I had no idea that stat existed. They told me when I got to the tennis channel desk and I was like, what? I was like, there's no way that I could hold a stat like that. But I do. And then I was really tight trying to get to like at least to 50 because I was like, 50 would be cool. Like, it's still good, but like, you know, 50 is a good number. So I'm still at 51. So we'll see. But that's a crazy stat. I had no idea. I don't know how that happened. So would you say then, because obviously the start of the second set, the reason why I'm asking you is there's so many people out there that have a problem. They either win the first set and they let up or they lose the first set and they get down. It sounds like you don't even know what's going on there. It almost sounds like you just play. Yeah. Like the second set starts and you're still just playing from zero. Yeah. I mean, I think with David, if we go back to more strategically, we definitely try and work on, I mean, I think I return really well. So like getting on people's serves really quickly. And I think one thing that is so different than like what I used to do, but you start to get the feel of the match and it's almost like you're controlling the match. And it could be you're not even playing well or it doesn't really matter who you're playing. Obviously against a top player, it's a lot harder because they don't give up that control easily or you're, you're battling for control, whatever it is. But it's like, okay, I'm going to hold. All right, I'm putting pressure to break them right away. And then it's like when you get that break, it's almost like you run away with the first. And then the second set, it's like, okay, I need this break like really quickly. And I don't know if that mindset has kind of helped me get up very quickly in either a first set or a second set. And that's why I've been able to, or a third, whatever it is, um, to kind of win those matches. Because I think I'm starting off the sets really like looking for a lead very early, like looking to get on somebody right away. And again, like I said before, playing with that confidence of like, I don't want them to get used to my ball type of thing. Like I, I think I've been playing like quick, not quick in a bad way, but quick when I'm winning. And like not letting people get into a rhythm. So I think I've been able to kind of like learn how to manage and swing these matches better than before. So yeah, if I win the first set, if the second set, you know, I always expect someone to play better, maybe the second set or my level's going to dip. But then I feel like in the third, I'm like, no, 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 like I'm going to do the same thing. And I, I don't know, I'm just successful at it. I'm, I'm not sure how to explain it. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense to me. Okay. It's like you're controlling the match. So if I'm like, oh, I'm losing the second set. Okay, I'll try and get back into it. But like, whatever. Now I'm practicing for the third set. And sometimes you come back in the second set and you win. But then you're just trying to get momentum to start the third set really quickly. So it's almost like you're controlling. Like, it's not like because you're actually controlling it. But you're, you have control of the momentum swings is what it feels like. For the most Do part. Do you pay attention? Do you pay attention to the opponent's emotional state like you win a close first set and if they're super down or pissed does that affect anything or if you see them and they're over there bouncing around like the happiest person in the world does that impact at all yeah definitely I mean sometimes you see girls that are like checked out and you're like oh I got them easy like just try and hold this game it doesn't always work sometimes they kind of do the whole like I'm not trying and then they're like hitting winners which can happen a lot um because they're kind of like mad and you play free um, but yeah, if you see a girl like really competing after she just lost six, two, you're like, Oh, <laughs> she's, she's still fighting. You're like, crap, she's not going to give this to me. So it makes a huge difference for sure. Like you, it makes you not want to, I mean, you shouldn't let up either way, whatever you see them, 
But um, there's definitely certain players where you know no matter what they're going to compete, whether they're down 5-0, they lost the first set. It doesn't matter the scoreline. So right off the bat, she describes what her strengths are, in this case, her incredible return to serve. And so she wants to use that quickly in the second set. She talks about playing to her strengths, which is taking the ball early and not letting girls breathe. So she's very focused on what she does well and using that immediately to start the second set. She also mentioned wanting that early lead, which would be the exact opposite of throwing yourself a party for winning the first set. She's already on to the next task, which is using her strengths and seeing if she can put you away early. She views the beginning of the second set as a chance to deliver the knockout blow, not as a time to relax and celebrate what she's already accomplished. So we have a few good things we can proactively do to fight off that second set letdown. But what are some things that are out of our control that can also contribute and make this difficult? One of the most common things that can disrupt a player after the first set is a long bathroom break from an opponent. It's basically like a 10-minute timeout, which would be illegal in almost any sport, but it is part of our sport. Here's what Jess had to say about bathroom breaks. Is there anything you do, it's so common now as well, that you'll play like whatever, a somewhat competitive 6-3-6-4, and it's an automatic bathroom break for a lot of people. How do you handle that break like both mentally and then physically without getting cold or anything like that. What do you do when that happens? I mean, certain players you expect it, (laughs) you kind of know. So if you're mentally kind of prepared for that, it helps. And I think it's almost like an experience thing. Like I'm so used to girls taking bathroom breaks. It doesn't really affect me. It feels like part of the match. You want to stay warm, but then at the same time, I don't think you want to psych yourself out like, oh my God, I got to start this second set so great because she took a bathroom break and she's trying to ice me. And then you can kind of like get into your head that way. So I I mean, I think you just have to think of it as just try and stay focused. Maybe you want to hit some serves with with older balls. They let you do that, which kind of just keeps you like, especially if you're about to serve, kind of keeps your service rhythm going, jump around. But yeah, to me, like sometimes I would psych myself out a little bit with the bathroom break. Not that they took it, but it was like, oh, no, no, now I have to refocus even more because if the if I start, if I lose this game, then that means the bathroom break worked and it's like a whole thing. So I try not to make it anything different, just maybe an extra long break or something like that um, and just try and keep the same mentality because, yeah, I've just learned when I, when I get try to do too much, then it's almost like it's getting in my head for no reason. I got you. Which is the point, I guess. But Right. They, the whole point of that is obviously they get some time and they slow things down, but they want you just sitting there going through. I know a lot of my players, they have that thought where it's like, I don't want this to work. Like this, yeah. they, they're taking this to throw me off. And so if I somehow randomly don't play a good game, then that means it worked and now I'm messing up and they get in their own head instead of just, it could happen no matter what. Instead of just playing. And honestly, you have no idea if them taking that bathroom break did anything. They may have came out and played better already they might be resetting for their mental sake not just to mess you up so yeah I don't think you can read too much into it you just try and stay focused on what you're trying to do and again not let the the kind of anxiety and the overthinking um, creep in too much the first thing I want to stress players are allowed to take bathroom breaks and like she said they might be doing it for themselves they might be doing it to mess you up Either way, they're allowed to do it. So if it bothers you, it's on you to change that, not them. You need to find your own routine for these situations. 
Maybe you like to move around and hit some practice serves. I've seen some people run suicides. Maybe you have a breathing routine that you can do to keep you focused in the moment. I know some players who go to the bathroom as well with the opponent just to speed them up from taking too long and giving you something to do. There's no correct answer here, and you can pick the option that works best for you, but you should absolutely know what you're going to do when someone attempts to stall and take a bathroom break. Another thing that's out of your control, and it's a tactic your opponent might use, is they almost like half tank to end the first set. This would happen if the first set was fairly lopsided, like a 6-2, 6-1, or 6-0. At the end of the set, around 4-1 or 5-0, they might start to mope around, miss balls quickly, and look generally disinterested in competing or the match. Listen to what Alice there had to say about this tactic. I think it's different. Again, it's down to the person. I've seen that the description of what you've just uh, described, that sort of, um, you know, pretend it doesn't matter, try to go up a level whilst trying to affect the opposition. Ba- basically, it's like you're in a race and I'm racing against you and, it, you know, we're both running as fast as we can. And you go, wait, wait, Alice, just slow down. Hang on, hang on, hang on. And I... And I say, what, what? And then, and then you go, go, and you take off. So you're controlling when the energy comes down, when it takes off again. So I have, I've seen that on a number of occasions. It's, a, it's an interesting tactic. And it gives the person behind a sort of a freedom and a rest before going again. This is a point I stress all the time. Points are not created equally. When you're up 5-1 in the first set and the score is 30-all, that point really isn't that valuable to you winning the set. It's not nearly as important as, say, 30-all to start the first game of the second set. Getting broken at 5-1 in the first isn't a big deal, as you already have a massive lead. But getting down an early break in the second set is a much bigger deal. So we need to be ready for that immediate shift in point value, and that's what Alistair was referring to earlier in the episode about the scoring system. Opponents might tank and play with low energy at the end of the first set when they instinctively know those points aren't valuable, and then show up like Nadal at the French to start the second set. Be aware of this so they don't sing you a lullaby and put you to sleep before the second set. The last thing that's out of your control that could lead to a slow start in the second set is your opponent changing tactics. A lot of times you'll see your opponent attempt to make an adjustment to start the second set, especially if you smoked him in the first set. So a good thing to be aware of, and you could even think this through before the match starts, is if my normal tactic is working, what should they do to stop me? So I'll give you an example for me. Let's say you were playing me and I like to chip and charge on your second serve. And let's say I was killing you with that play in the first set. One smart change you can make is maybe to take some pace off your first serve so you won't have to hit as many second serves. So I would be on the lookout for that to start the second set. If I see you take some pace off a first serve or two, I might look to chip and charge on your first serve, knowing it's a little slower than usual, and that way I could keep using my effective tactic. There are a ton of examples we could go through, but the biggest thing is you can't be surprised when your opponent starts trying new things in the second set. So have a plan to counter what they're doing so you have the upper hand. And one final thing to reiterate, you can do everything right. You can have the correct focus, and maybe you still don't get off to a great start in the second set. Tennis can be random. Your opponent could heat up. You could cool off. Maybe you lose a game on a let cord, some bad luck. There's no sure way to control things to make sure you get off to a good start. So if you do get down in the score, realize that could be a normal part of the process. It's okay. And then we get back in the present and figure out what your next step is to coming back in the second set. 
And that wraps up our first bonus episode of 2024. Hopefully this will help you guys get off to quick starts in the second set and avoid that second set letdown. The next bonus episode will be in two weeks with Louis Kaye. We go over the mindset and what you should do when you're going against a really good lobber in doubles. And I know that's a big thing for a lot of you out there. And he had some really great advice for what to do. So thanks for listening. And we'll be back in a week with the full interview from Louis Kaye.